You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Homefield Apparel. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to another victorious episode of the Assembly Call, as today your Indiana Hoosiers held serve at home and beat the Minnesota Golden Gophers 73-60 to uh, early on a Sunday afternoon in Bloomington to move their record to 12-3 overall and 3-2 in the Big Ten. Uh, I'm your host, Andy Bottoms, and I'll be joined momentarily by Jeff Marlowe and Kathy Amos, and we're going to break down the game for you today. Uh, the, the story of the first half uh, was the shooting uh, from IU, where they're Minnesota was basically daring IU to shoot, and Rob Finnessy in particular was more than obliged to uh, make them pay for it. So he hit four threes in the first half, got IU off to a 10-point lead uh, at the break after a a bit of a slow start. And then that slow start kind of returned in the second half as water found its level. IU continued to take some of those threes uh, instead of uh, working to get a better shot. And Minnesota eventually took a 49-48 lead. Um, I think a couple leads in that stretch. Their last one was 49-48, but IU executed well uh, on both ends of the floor late in the game and pulled away to win the game by 13. Uh, So it gives IU another Big Ten win. And uh, an interesting uh, game just in terms of the way each half played out. Really balanced scoring from IU with five guys in double figures, I believe. Uh, And so we'll uh, we'll talk about all that. A lot of uh, good performances uh, from guys up and down the roster tonight. So we'll break that down for you here on the show. Uh, but let's start this show the way we start every show, and that is with our banner moment. Uh, there were a lot of places to go here, so I'm going to give a couple that uh, that stood out. One, one of which was uh, with that uh, 49-48 lead for Minnesota. Trey Galloway took a three from the wing. Jordan Geronimo made just a really good effort play to keep the ball alive and eventually get an offensive rebound that was kicked back to Miller Kopp, who nailed a three at the top of the key. And IU never trailed from that point forward. They went up 51-49 and led the rest of the way and expanded that lead. And the other, I guess, was a series of moments. There was a stretch somewhat late in the uh, in the second half, you know, kind of the middle to late point in the second half, IU made a more concerted effort to get the ball to Race Thompson inside. I think probably a couple of reasons for that. One, to put a little bit of uh, defensive pressure uh, on battle of Minnesota, who was uh, really strong offensively, but I think they really wanted to test him on the defensive end. And two, uh, this is a game that Race had said was really important to him, being from Minnesota. Uh, it's, it's one that he really wanted, and I thought it was great that he was put in a position uh, to really deliver some key buckets for IU and did so down the stretch um i think during one stretch he scored on maybe three of three of five possessions if i'm looking at this correctly and uh, a couple nice post-ups where he was able to uh to get some key baskets to extend that lead late so uh a great win for the team a great win for race in a game that meant a lot to him and uh, he was certainly a key factor in it uh, particularly in the second half all right, with that, uh, our banner moment today, as always, is brought to you by our friends over at Homefield Apparel, who are now in their fifth season of sponsoring the Assembly Call, and their first as a presenting sponsor for the Back Home Network. As you surely know by now, Homefield has the largest collection of vintage IU apparel that you'll find anywhere, with beloved logos like two different versions of the Bison. And if you support other college teams or have people in your life who do, Homefield probably has something for them as well, like their Montana or Montana State collections that they released on Saturday. Their product line now extends to more than 120 different schools with unique vintage logos for all of them. And no matter what you do, what you buy, you know it will be comfortable and the colors will last through many washings. Plus, you're supporting an Indiana-based company that came up through Kelly. What could be better than that? So go to homefieldapparel.com and use our promo code HOME to get 15% off your entire first order. Again, that's promo code HOME for 15% off. 
Once again, that website is homefieldapparel.com. Wear one for the team. All right, now it's time to move the ball, find the open man, and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team, which uh, today I'm happy to be joined by the two hosts of Doing the Work, the IU Women's podcast uh post and post game show that uh has spun up recently kathy amos and jeff marlowe so kathy i will uh, throw it to you first uh, overall thoughts on today's game yeah i think um the the two overall thoughts i had in particular were um big picture for us i think it was good just to get these back-to-back wins right we i was a little concerned coming off uh, the ohio state win uh from the other night that maybe we'd have somewhat of a letdown coming into this game. It wasn't exactly our prettiest game. I, uh, I think for sure Ohio state was, was a little, little bit prettier for me, but um, a win's a win and 13 point and win, no loss is really great. <clears throat> um, so I'd love to see that we followed up the, that win with another win and continuing to defend our, our home court here. Um, and then overall, just from the, the micro level, looking at the game in particular, I love the balance, right? We had uh, four, five guys and double double figures today. Um, so, and uh, with that, and I know we'll get into the numbers more, but we had 17 assists as well. So we really, I thought, sharing the ball and um, moving it around. So to me, I, I like seeing that again, macro level, following it up, and it's a good, another step forward for our program as a whole. And then in the micro, I just love the, the balance scoring that we had from people, not even just all our starters. So for me, those are the two big themes that I, I saw today that I, I love seeing. Absolutely. Uh, Coach Marlowe, what about your uh, opening thoughts on today's 73-60 victory? Yeah, I I guess kind of uh, I was happy to see the middle toughness. Uh, And I know we've had a little bit of question with this group. Uh, but once Minnesota got that lead at 47-46, I was kind of, you know, in my back of my head, I was like, oh, no, this this may not be good because all the momentum was kind of rolling with them. They admit they'd been on a 16-5, to 18-5 type run, and I thought the kids showed, you know, some good mental toughness. They, they were able to get um, – a key play. I thought, Andy, I thought you, you stole kind of my meaningful moment with the, uh, with the banner moment. Cause I had that circle, that three uh, by Miller off of the play where Jordan Geronimo had kept it alive. That gave us the lead and we never trailed again. And I thought that's when the defense again in the second half kind of locked in a little better. Um, and then as Kathy kind of said, you know, micro looking at the, at the, a little bit of kind of previous stats, nobody except trace played more than 30 minutes. And I think that's an even bigger thing that we can, come out with a 13 point win and we can spread the minutes a little bit more so we're not maybe overloading guys with 35 and 36 minutes every night but i will also kind of go back to a bob knightism here last game next game uh it was important to get this win because we won the last game now we got to be able to take it on the road and go to iowa on thursday and have it travel Yep, I would uh, I would certainly agree with that. Is just being able to stack some of these wins. I think that helps overcome maybe some of those mental hurdles uh, that, that you talked about there. Um, so as we kind of look back through the game, a few a few key storylines. You know, I think the first has to be the play of Rob Finnessy, particularly in the first half. Although I thought he played really well in the defensive end throughout the game. Uh, I know Coach was there and was texting uh, just about you know being able to see the confidence in him and how well he was playing. But you know, as I mentioned in the opening, Minnesota's game plan particularly in the first half, was very much sag off of everybody, make it really hard to get the ball into TJD, double him when he got it, and force other guys to beat him. And for a little bit at the beginning, you know, I think X fell into, you know, getting baited into taking some of those shots. But Rob came in, stepped in pretty much immediately. I think he missed one on the first possession that he was in the game. But he 
there was no hesitation for for better or worse. If you thought they were good shots or bad shots, I don't know, but he he did not hesitate. I mean, he took threes on the first three possessions that he was in the game. As I look back through it, but he really um, really settled in, made some big ones. Was four of seven, four of eight, I think, in the first half from three. Um, didn't score. I think only I think the only point he had in the the uh, second half was a free throw uh, toward the end of the game. Didn't shoot nearly as much, but he ends with thirteen points, four assists, three rebounds. Two steals, a block where he came from the weak side toward the end of the first half and uh, did his best TJD impersonation and no turnovers. Um, and again, we can talk whatever we want about plus minus, but he was plus 22 for the game in 29 minutes. And I just think um, probably the best place to start is Rob and the way that he responded to those opportunities. Um, but more than that, just the confidence to really step up and not hesitate to take those shots, even when the first one didn't uh, didn't go in. So, uh, Kathy, I'll throw it to you first. You know, thoughts yeah. on Rob's performance? Any plays in particular that stood out to you with him, or uh, just just general thoughts on his play? Yeah, I, I loved Rob today. I mean, yes, he was four for eight. It, it, again, point wise, not not a, the production in the second half, but uh, that wasn't the scoring's not the whole thing to basketball, right? So, yes, his defense I thought was really spot on from start to finish. The play for me that I, I wrote down for Rob was actually at twelve twenty. Um, in that first half when he knocked down that first three and it really just sparked actually I thought um, a run uh, that ended up uh, I think we went on yeah a, a big run there and got our first lead right after that so we ended up going up 19 to 17 and that was his first thing and I wrote down is this you know finally Rob's confidence coming back and will we see that and I felt we, we saw that especially in the first half he definitely wasn't shy um maybe questionable on some of the shots going up, maybe a little too quick. And, but you could say that from the rest of the team, I think as well, where uh, maybe a couple more passes going inside. And I think they, they corrected some of that a little bit in the second half, but overall, but back to Rob. Yes. I, I thought he played well within himself, no turnovers. Um, the, the block, I, I just, I loved watching Rob today. This is the Rob I think we're hoping to see um, again now the question comes to Rob, are we going to be consistent with him and see this again in the next game, in the next game? Um, but it's a good start, and, and I love the confidence from him. Yeah, before I, I throw it to you, Coach Mello, I thought you know one of the things with, with Rob, maybe different than some other guys in the second half, he only took two shots. One was a drive where he, uh, I think, kind of drove to get fouled more than he drove to make the shot. And then there was another three that he took where he was open. Um, but I thought he... And and I think that's the kind of maturity you'd expect from from a senior in that scenario. But didn't really come out saying, "Hey, I hit four threes in the first half. I'm going to go jack up a whole bunch in the second half." I thought really kind of stuck to what they wanted to do from a game plan perspective and didn't force shots uh, that weren't there. So you know, coach, I'll I'll let you uh, tack onto that however you want. But I thought that was a you know interesting point you made, Kathy, just in terms of him not scoring a lot in the second half. Didn't mean that he didn't play well. Um, and I think he, among everybody, really just continued to play within himself and didn't uh, fall in the love fall in love with the three as much as some guys did. And uh, he was actually the guy who hit more of them in the first half and still didn't do it. So uh, we'll we'll go from there. But uh, coach, thoughts on uh, thoughts on Rob's play today? Well, I think this is the Rob to- oh, this is Rob to- the Rob <laughs> Finnessy that we've been waiting for. I'm going to mix two players together here. I think this is the Rob Finnessy we've all been waiting for. The kid that can come in off the bench and give us uh, some positive minutes. And we know defensively Rob is going to be a, a one of our best defenders when he comes on the floor. And and when he can come out and just get us 
two, three baskets, let alone four three-pointers in the first half. I think that's the Rob we've all been waiting for. I think they showed the stat at this point. He was only averaging about four points a game, and he comes out and, and gets gets us 13. And if Rob can do that, it really will make it difficult to double the post. And I, I tweeted out during the game that early in the first half, I thought that they – TJD was willing to be a facilitator and that, that benefited Rob, especially and X to a certain degree to Xavier uh, to a certain degree. Um, I'm, I'm a little bit, I'm not too, uh, I don't get quite as worked up about maybe some of the quicker threes as some of the fan base does. Um, I, I love a good three, you know, three, but um I thought in the second half they did get away. They got maybe just a tad too quick just because it was maybe um, – it wasn't in transition a lot of them. A lot of them were just kind of one pass and a, ch- and a shot. Um, but to Rob's point, kind of back to you, Andy, uh, he didn't force anything in the second half. Like you said, I think that drive was more to try and draw a foul. I would like to see him finish it, obviously. But he really wasn't looking to score much. He, You could kind of see he was, he was being a leader. I caught a couple – times where he was getting the instructions from coach Woodson and he was relaying the message to the kids on the floor. Hey, let's just settle down a little bit. Let's run something here. And so I I thought they had that law there in the second half that allowed Minnesota to get back in the game. I'd like to see him clean that up. But Overall, I thought Rob played a really good game, as Kathy pointed out, as you pointed out. It doesn't always show up in the scoring column. We talked about this a little bit with the women's team. Alexa Golbay is exactly like this. It doesn't always show up in the scoring column. And and that's the kind of thing if Rob can give us off the bench because we won the bench battle today, and I thought that was huge. Yeah, so let's talk about you know the, the two other things I wanted to hit on kind of as key storylines. I think one uh, you alluded to, so we'll go to that one uh, next. It was just the, the lull kind of to start the second half, you know, they had really built up that lead, get it up to 10 at the break, go right into the TJD out of halftime. He scores, it's 12. And then IU had a series of of just kind of settling for shots or um, you know turnovers there. You know, Miller missed a three. X had a turnover. Race took a three and missed it. X had a wild drive for the basket. X takes a three and misses it. Um, they did have a nice Stewart one in transition, but then you know, TJD turns it over. And that really kind of let Minnesota get back in the game. And it, it felt like another game where – X came out of the locker room and just tried to do too much um, and got a little bit upset about a, a foul call or two in there. Some of the calls on him I did think were kind of ticky-tack, but I think at, at some point his reputation is preceding him a little bit, and I'm not sure that's going to change. So um, I, I yeah, so I thought that led to that stretch, and then IU really struggled defensively from there. Um had ball screen issues similar to what we saw against Penn State where, you know, some miscommunication, guys getting straight line drives to the basket. I give Minnesota some credit where they were basically putting Battle and Willis in those pick and rolls and given how Battle was shooting, you had to be aware of him being able to pop out. But IU also couldn't really keep dribblers in front of him and and really kind of struggled defensively in that stretch that let them get back in the game. So, you know, Coach Marlowe, I'll throw this one to you first. I mean, what what do you think was the you know, biggest issue or issues during that stretch that took a what once was a 12-point lead and turned it into a one-point deficit? A combination of things. Like you mentioned, Andy, I, I kind of had made some of those same notes. A couple quick shots, a couple bad turnovers. But I was a little more concerned kind of to your last point. 
it was with the defense on the uh, we were just letting minnesota get to the rim there was very little rim protection uh once they got into the lane but i was also concerned the one i really saw andy was they were starting to put tjd in the pick and roll and and they were switching off and 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 tjd really wasn't stepping up on the screen he was kind of laying back on the screen and that was allowing i think it was willis especially to turn the corner and then he was trying to get the block at the end at the rim well a really good offensive player knows how to get a shot over a shot blocker, and and you got to be a little more up on Willis. And I just thought I thought that was a great play by a great sequence there by Minnesota to kind of figure, that, hey, we're just going to put him in this and and see if they can guard it. I would have liked to see us maybe switch that in terms of who was uh, that Trace was guarding, see if maybe we could bring him back toward a baseline and let him come and help a little bit more rather than having to guard the ball screen, but. I thought they got that solved a little bit later in the half. During that stretch, they weren't very good with it, but I thought they got it solved a little bit better. And and there were a couple of key plays that Miller Cop made a play that I think kind of goes under, unrecognized. Uh, Minnesota was still in the game. I believe it might have been 57, 54, 59, 54. And Miller cut off a baseline drive, I believe, by battle and forced it out to a jump shot that was a really tough contested jump shot missed it we got the rebound and i think we took it either to five or seven from there to me that was a key play because that was we hadn't gotten a lot of help in the second half that had been there timely and miller got there yeah kathy what were your thoughts on that that stretch whether that be you know the defense the decision making on the offensive end or, or things like that and, and maybe the, the fact that it's kind of becoming a theme uh, with the team that they come out a little bit uh, a little bit sluggish, it feels like, to start the, this, these of these second halves. Yeah, I, I think uh, for me, um, one of the, the players I was really watching on defense a bit today to see was Parker Stewart. And I thought there were a, a couple of times in the second half where I was really noticing him getting beat off of the drive. And I, I think that was part um, – <sighs> part of what coach was alluding to here as well with TJD and then um, not getting much help. And then there was a couple of one time I very much saw Stewart um, slack off of somebody who had the ball shooting to go back and cover his, his guy. And, and I just, I'm not a big fan of leaving the ball. Luckily the, the shot didn't go in for Minnesota in that case, but I, I wasn't, um, I wasn't overly thrilled with Parker Stewart's defense um, on a couple of, couple of occasions today. Um, so I think that was part of it in that stretch as well for me. I, I do want to go back to something, Andy, though, that you were talking about with X. And I agree. I think some of the calls, and I think you're right, his reputation is definitely preceding him with some of the calls. However, I thought today he he responded much better than we've seen in the past and, and really still played within himself and didn't um, – take those calls and then lead it down into poor offensive play, maybe pressing or even pressing again on the defensive end. And I thought he played really well in himself today. And I, I liked what I saw for the most part from X. There were a couple of times, I think for sure, he's still trying to do a little too much and maybe some decision-making, but compared to how we saw him at the beginning of the year, I think we're starting to see some pretty good growth from, from Xavier. It, yeah. And, 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 I'm sorry, go ahead. I was just like, I, I wanted to piggyback off of Kathy's comment there. I can't remember if it was the second or the third foul he got in the second half, but he was starting to plead his case. And if you saw <laughs> Mike Woodson basically yelled at him, kind of called him over and said, hey, no, we need to stay focused. And I thought that was a great coaching move. Yeah, that was his third foul. So I noticed that too, Jeff, and you could see X or uh, you could see it on, on Coach Woodson's face. He's like, X, come on over. And you could see. And then after that, he's like, OK, got it. So yeah, I, I, I like I think the very next play after that's when he made that nice reverse where he mm -hmm. kind of made the, I think he was pulling it back out and then, and then turned there. Yeah. I thought there was a, I think 
I think both he and the coaching staff are learning how to deal with him, I guess, for lack of a better term, right? Like he, he got those two fouls pretty early in the second half and they took him out after the second one where he fouled the jump shooter. Again, I thought that was a little bit, um, a little bit ticky tack compared to some of the other stuff, but, um, you know, I thought they took him out to kind of calm him down in that scenario versus the one that you guys just brought up, which I had noted as well, where it was just kind of like within the game, settling him down, and then he responded by making a big play as opposed to really letting things snowball. Um, but I think they also saw it wasn't just the fouls at the beginning of the half. It was some of the shots. It was some of the decision-making and whatever. So, um, you know, I think they're doing a, a good job with that. And, it, you know, Kathy, what you brought up with Parker, I think that makes some of what Finnessy's been able to do all the more important. He's been the guy when Parker's been in foul trouble – that subbed in for him and really, um, you know, his defense late in the Ohio state game was key, um, for, uh, I think Branham it was, who was, who was really giving Stewart some fits. And when he ended up getting taken out with those fouls, Rob, Rob did a good job on him the rest of the game. I think Rob, there was probably some, um, uh, arguments you made. There were guys that talked about him in the past talking about some of the nagging injuries and it seems like maybe the Christmas break or whatever has like got him, uh, you know, back with some of that spring in his step, but I, I went back and found the text from coach, but he is watching him up close defensively is awesome. His hands, his stance, his quickness. Um, he said, you can just see the confidence in his eyes on a different thing. So, um, not to circle back to that too much, but, um, mm -hmm. and then the other thing was, you know, we, we've not talked about TJD. I thought it was a little bit of a, um, kind of let the game come to him as we talked about, you know, didn't really only took a couple shots in the first half, ended up with four points for the game, ended up with 13 and 12, that struggled at times defensively um, when they were putting him in some of those ball screen scenarios. But overall, he and Race were really key in the second half as the the, the balance of where IU scoring came from shifted from the backcourt to the front court. Those guys had 17 of the 34 um, as they, uh, you know, really and were 7 to 10 from the floor and, and got to the free throw line four times. So I thought whereas the first half was kind of guard dominant because of the way they played, race and trace who have been kind of the bread and butter for the team for most of the year really reasserted themselves despite the way that Minnesota was playing. And I do think the way that IU hit shots, um, in the first half had a little bit to do with that and freed up a bit more space for them. But, um, Kathy, I'll throw this to you first, just, yeah. you know, kind of, uh, thoughts on, <clears throat> on the impact of race and trace, particularly in the second half and down the stretch. Yeah, actually, that was one of the meaningful moments I wrote down. There was about seven minutes left to go. And as you had pointed out already, Andy, they were really starting to target race a lot more. And you can see that even with Trace, about seven minutes left to go. Trace had the ball. Um, and then he passed it to X, who then passed it on to race. And so while Trace didn't get the the normal assist, I guess you can call it a hockey assist in that case. And um, that was part of our 10-0 um, run that we were we were going on under there to go up 54-65 at that point. Um, at that point, uh, I, I thought that was a great example, again, of how Trace today in total was not trying to force it. He was playing within what Minnesota gave him. As you mentioned, he only had four points at the in the first half. But I didn't think it was a bad first half. And I don't think it was a bad game from Trace at all. Obviously, he ended up with his, I think, 28th or so overall double-double for his career. So he had a he had a nice game. And it was a quiet game. But he, gave, he took what Minnesota gave him, even though you may not see it with only two assists. I thought he was very involved and had some really nice passes today. And yeah, race, as you mentioned, this is a, a game that was very personal for him being from Minnesota. And I, but again, he didn't take that emotion and it to a place where he didn't play within himself and just an, a good game from race overall as well. Um, ending up with another, uh, another one of our double digit scores with 10 points as well as 
I think he had quite a few rebounds as well, didn't he? Oh, only five. Okay, well, yeah, he, only had, like a, a he, yeah, he had he had fewer than I thought. Although he came up with a couple late. Um, yeah, you know, Coach, for before I give you your thoughts on or get your thoughts on race, just one thing to kind of throw out, and, and maybe you can incorporate this if you want. I, I think um, battle is kind of a tough cover for. Um, really either TJD or race and then race spent the majority of the time on him. Um, and I thought he did overall a pretty good job. I mean, battle hit some tough shots. It was a few that he got open looks and, um, I know Geronimo kind of overhelped on the one he banked in and, you know, we can argue that that one, well, our thoughts on that shot in general, but, um, I thought race did a pretty good job for a guy who's difficult to, um, to guard in that scenario. So I think he also factored that in a little bit to his performance, but, uh, overall thoughts on the IU bigs from you. Um, I, I want to agree with Kathy about TJD. And again, I kind of mentioned this earlier. I tweeted out during the game that he just, he played within himself today, except for the one pass he threw to about the sixth row. Um, you know, that was, you know, other than that, I thought Trace really allowed everything to come to him and he didn't force a lot. And we've seen games like that from Trace where he tries to force stuff. We feeling like he has to make something happen. And today there seemed to be, you know, obviously it helps when guys are hitting shots. But he, he was trusting the teammates when he kicked it out and, and uh, that they would hit shots. And I thought that was an interesting way that Minnesota was trying to double him by coming off the point guard and not really even a true double, more of just a, a constant dig, kind of sit, trying to sit down in there and see if they could just give him to pass it out. As far as race, I thought it was an interesting matchup of battle because race kind of talked about this in the availability yesterday that he sees this as a rivalry game. It's a big game for him, as Kathy said, but also – he and battle, no, no pun intended, had battled it out in high school. They, they've known each other for quite a bit of time up in Minnesota. And so it makes me wonder if, you know, if Coach Woodson or maybe Race you know, had a conversation or he one went to the other and was like, hey, you know, let me have a crack at him. Or what do you think about taking a crack at him? And just kind of a personal battle. And, I, uh, and again, no pun intended here. But I think, I think battle got his 19, but he was 3 for 10 from deep. And he was 7 of 17 overall. I think race is good. It gets probably an A minus B plus for his effort because it is a tough matchup. But I thought he did well on battle. Yeah, I mean, he's had a heck of a week defensively between uh, EJ Liddell and uh, <laughs> and Battle, and has uh, has emerged well. I know TJD spent some time on Liddell as well, but uh, yeah, tough. Although I think every game is a tough, uh, tough, tough cover for front courts. So uh, in the Big Ten, at least. So we'll uh, we'll see who's yeah. And then you got uh, Keegan Murray coming up next. So yeah, it just gets uh, keeps getting keeps getting easier or, or something like that um uh, but uh, we'll, we'll we'll talk iowa in a minute we've got our uh, our, our resident iowan on to uh to discuss it so we'll uh we'll make sure we do that because we won't have another show before that game so we'll we'll hit a quick uh a quick preview as we uh as we go into that so but for now uh we're going to take a quick break and when we come back as we continue our breakdown of iu 73 60 win over minnesota we'll point out the meaningful moment that you might have missed and then go inside the numbers to highlight the most important statistical notes from the game you're listening to the assembly call stick with us okay it's time to commit 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself begin your new smile journey with bite and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks just order your at-home impression kit today for only 14.95 at bite.com bite clear aligners are doctor directed and delivered to your door treatment costs thousands less than braces plus they offer financing options accept eligible insurance and you can pay with your hsa fsa 
Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hi, this is Jawan Morgan. What's the only thing better than getting IU's first triple-double in 47 years? Celebrating it with friends afterwards. Join Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on the assembly call after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosiers. And welcome back. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU Postgame Show. I'm Andy Bottoms here with Kathy Amos and Jeff Marlowe, and we are breaking down IU's 73-60 to home win over Minnesota, which moves the Hoosiers to 3-2 and in Big Ten play. And it is time for... Meaningful moments that you might have missed. I fear to a certain extent that I use many of the meaningful moments that I had... Uh, <laughs> had earmarked earlier in the first segment of the show, but I did, I think I have one other one. I, the ones I, you know, some of the ones I had were the, uh, the cop three pointer, uh, X responding to that, that foul and, and playing well. Um, another one I'll, I'll throw out there though, um, to this was toward the end of the first half. And this kind of shows you the importance of being able to step out and make some of these shots and what it forces a defense to do. Cause for as much as Minnesota had been drilled into sag off, make them, make them make threes, make them make threes. After IU had hit a few, um, this was, I think, the next to last possession of the half. You know, And X had just made one. I think the, the previous three possessions, Rob made one, Rob made another one, and then X made one. So they kick it out to X, and he does a shot fake. The guy comes closing out hard at him. He gets into the lane, draws two fouls, and, and makes them both. And I think that, I guess if there was, well, IU didn't shoot it as well um, from the three-point line in the second half as they did in the first, I think doing it so well in the first half really did open up some things because um, Minnesota had to start closing out based on the the way um, the way IU was hitting shots. So I thought that was a good example of X being able to take advantage of that uh, in some of those scenarios. But uh, Kathy, any other? Uh, you're a you're a copious note taker, so I know that even though I used up most of the meaningful moments that I had flagged, you probably have a, a reserve that we can dip into here. So I'll throw it to you first. I, I do, I do, I do, I, and yes, um, for proof, yes, I have a whole <laughs> sheet of notes that I take during games that I'm I'm hosting pods on. Um, <laughs> yeah, we we have used quite a few of them, but I, I have one other one I wanted to to talk about really, and it was our bench play, and about ten minutes in. Um, the first half, we had all five subs on the floor, and I noted at the time we were 19 to 19 at that point, um, and we weren't we didn't sub anybody else in until the 5:55 mark, so well over four minutes of game time play, and those those subs I thought actually did a pretty decent job. We ended up um, then going down by one, 25-24, so they really only gave up one point um, in, in terms of net in that time. So we not a lot of scoring. I think both sides of the ball were really stagnant during those five minutes or so, but um, I thought the bench actually played 
pretty well in that streak, especially with no other starters. And we've we've talked about this on the show before and in the chat and our, our private community about how Coach Woodson really likes to get five subs all together at one time. And do we think that's the right thing or not the right thing? Um, what we think probably doesn't matter a whole lot, to be honest. But in this case, I think it turned out fairly well. It, and then he brought in um, TJD and Race um, pretty soon after that. But I thought that stretch for the, the bench actually was pretty decent. Yeah, I noted that I had the same I took the same notes and had the same scores written down um, as you did. So good to check my work at least. But I, yeah, I thought Michael Durr played well again, stepped in, hit that elbow jumper. Uh, mm-hmm. I think he's a guy who we can continue to see more of because I think he does bring um, some skills to the table. I think that group struggles um, in in games like today or like Penn State that aren't played at as quick of a pace because I think it really brings out the focus on kind of the lack of offense and in, in you know with that group and puts a little bit more pressure on executing in the half court where sometimes they do well sometimes they struggle you know scoop they ran a nice play for him one of the first plays that he was in and rimmed out a three um so yeah it was a it was a mixed bag for me during that stretch but i think the the net effect of it was fine in the sense that it went from a tie game to a one point deficit um but i i did kind of watch that as well and i thought galloway um played better in the second half made a um you made a couple nice plays and um had a runner uh believe that he you know that he was able to convert in that scenario so um you know i thought i thought he did well wasn't quite as impactful but i think some to a certain extent the um the pace of the game had a lot to do with it uh coach marlowe any uh any meaningful moments that you had that we didn't get to yet well, I'll kind of piggyback of, off yours to begin with, with Michael Durr's jump shot. That was the one, I think maybe the one or a handful of possessions where Minnesota, tri- Minnesota tried to go zone and we recognized it and we were pretty patient and we flashed Michael Durr into that mid, mid to high post and he knocked down that shot. I thought it was a good job of the kids uh, of recognizing what was going on on the floor. Um, and I, back to the lineup there, I, I know they played to basically a, a minus one there, but I just felt that that group really kind of got stagnant. It didn't really get a lot of ball movement. And But by keeping it close, it allowed you to get some key rest. And, and it, we brought Trace and Race back in. It was really the under eight timeout, but it ended up not being until like under six minutes. There were some long stretches, especially in that first half, um, uh, with very few whistles. And so I thought that was an important point. And then also I had a meaningful moment and, and maybe it's uh, for me, I really noticed in the first half, especially our baseline out of bounds play seemed to be running with Parker Stewart as the first option because we scored with him twice in the first half off of nice out of bounds plays where we got him one kind of a little lob play at the rim. And then another one, we ran him across the floor, kind of got him to the weak side and threw it across and got him a, a jump shot from about 13 feet. So I thought that was interesting I think that tells me a little bit that Mike Woodson is with Parker's on the floor. He's thinking Parker Stewart as the first option, maybe, or at least option one B on his baseline out of bounds. And that's a way to get Parker Stewart some more shots out of some sets that we've all been kind of clamoring for here in the community and in the post-game chat moms. I thought the one on the where he got the baseline jumper, I think they ran something really similar to Ohio State, and he got about the same shot and just rimmed it out um, there. But, yeah, a good way to get him – involved for sure um you know the only other general point i'll make and this isn't necessarily a particular moment but i do think as we talk about and this maybe is a good segue into the into the numbers you know the way that i use bench played and just the minutes they were able to give was a huge difference because minnesota is not deep they did not play a lot of guys and i thought late in both halves 
they really started to look tired, uh, particularly in the first half when IU really busted out that lead. Um, they were short on a ton of shots and just had had to play a lot of minutes, even though the game wasn't necessarily played um, at a fast pace. But um, I, I thought just being able to get those minutes and, and have guys on the bench make, in some cases, large contributions was a gigantic difference between what we saw from IU and what we saw from Minnesota. And I think to a certain extent, it just is a, you know, I, I continue to be a little bit frustrated by maybe a lot bit frustrated by the uh, playing the five subs at the same time. But I'm, I, the talent is there on the bench to really be able to mix and match with, um, with some of the starters to really provide the lift that you saw today and be a difference maker in games I just get the feeling that Woodson's still figuring out how best to try to use them. Um, but, you know, maybe we'll be sitting here in game 30 and um, run the same thing, at which point I'll probably not be just, you know, screaming into the void, uh, hoping that, that something is going to change at that point. But um, but I do think that was a huge difference. I mean, we'll, like I said, we'll use that to segue into the, uh, into the numbers. And when you look at bench points, IU ends up with 21 and Minnesota has just seven. Um, and that was one of the, the big differences in the game. So uh, as we go inside the numbers, reminder, this segment is sponsored by the Power Rank, where our friend Ed uses data and analytics to make accurate football and college basketball predictions. Also writes an incredible March Madness guide every year, which will have a special offer for you on once March Madness rolls around. And for now, if you want sports betting advice with a PhD edge, edge or you just like understanding sports at a more analytical level, you should subscribe to Ed's free newsletter. Go to thepowerrank.com slash AC to subscribe. To subscribe. That's thepowerrank.com slash AC. All right, well, let's dissect the numbers that tell the story of the game. And uh, Kathy, what were some numbers that stood out to you uh, as you uh, looked over the, the box score? Yeah, I mean, we've already talked about three-point shooting, so I'm not going to <clears throat> talk about that anymore. But I am going to go the opposite way and talk about um, points in the paint. Um, we actually tied Minnesota 30-30, to and if I would have seen that stat on its own before the game, I would have thought we would have lost or have been a lot closer. So I, that that's really actually quite nice to see that we can find – we're starting to find anyway, again, we'll see if this is a trend or if this continues because we know the last game, we didn't have much outside scoring this time. We didn't, we didn't even have half our scoring coming from in the paint. So I thought that was good to see that the team found a way to win today. Of course, a lot of that came with knocking down threes, which we've been hoping and um, asking for, for years now. So it's really good to see, to see that we had, a different way of winning offensively today. So that was one number in particular that jumped out for me. Coach Marlowe, what about you? Uh, I'm going to start with the, the about the threes, just the fact that we shot 24 of them. I think that was a good number. I think there have been times we've talked about in the postgame show with the different hosts that we probably want to shoot a few more than the 15 or 16 at times we've gotten. And nine for 24 puts us at 38 percent, 37 and a half officially. So I think if you know if we shoot that, I think that's going to be a good night. I, I'm not sure we're going to shoot seven for 14 like we did in the first half every every game, but that I like the attitude that the kids had for taking what they were being given on the three. Uh, the other stat I'll go to is on the defensive side. We held them to 38% overall, 20% on threes. And again, I just really see that right now the identity of this team is something that, you know, I really was kind of adamant about in the past was what was our identity? We may still not exactly be a good offensive team, but we have a defensive identity. And as I mentioned earlier, you want to be able to travel and win games on the road. 
defense can travel. And so we just got to make sure we stay as locked in, as connected as we can. But it's obvious that Mike Woodson has decided, at least this first year, this is going to be known as a defensive team. And and it, I think, again, that show – we held another Big Ten team to 60 points. I mean, that it just mm-hmm. – you know, that's a great number in the, in the league. Yeah, I agree with that. It, yeah, I mean, you look there, Minnesota was 5 of 25 from 3, uh, about the same both halves. I think 2 of 13 in the first, 3 of 12 in the second. Um, did do fairly well um, on twos, though. If my quick math says they're 18 of 35, so just a little bit over 50%, which is an area that IU had really excelled. And, then, you know, most of that came when IU was really struggling to, to keep guys in front of them, although some of those came from um, some mid-range jumpers that were uh, were tough. It, got, it felt a little bit... Um, Deja vu to Penn State a little when some of these shots started falling in that uh, that Minnesota threw in uh, early in the game, but um, and, and I think the big one that stands out to me that we haven't talked about yet is the assist numbers. I know a couple of folks mm-hmm. pointed that out in the chat. I think eleven assists on fifteen makes in the first half, seventeen assists uh, on twenty seven makes overall for the game compared to just six turnovers. Um, Galloway was the only guy that had more than one turnover, uh, interestingly enough, and uh, you know I just thought. Some of that was based on the way that Minnesota played, but also just being able and willing to to pass the ball along to somebody to get, um, you know, to get a good shot, to get a better shot, and then guys obviously being able to knock those down as we uh, as we went. So I, I think that was uh, a big one. Rebounding wise, I was looking at that before the game. The games that Minnesota had lost previously, they had just gotten absolutely murdered on the glass by uh, Illinois and Michigan State. And I, you didn't necessarily do that today. They did out rebound them. It's like 39 34 based on what I'm seeing here. Um, they each had the same number of offensive rebounds. I know they noted on the broadcast Minnesota does not really go to the offensive glass, but I think they had four team offensive rebounds, all of which I think were blocks that, you know, went off of, you know, that IU had blocked. And so those count as team offensive rebound so I don't know that it was really a function of them you know crashing the glass or things like that um but I thought that was there Minnesota did not turn the ball over much either just five um and that's pretty much been their mo uh all year so that was uh not particularly surprising but IU did make a lot out of the offensive rebounds they got they got seven offensive rebounds and turned them into 13 points as opposed to just three uh for Minnesota so I thought some of those you know kind of hustle plays uh were important and then if you look at, uh, you know, obviously not a lot of steals in the game where you don't turn people over four blocks in the game. Uh, TJD actually did not have any. Um, it was uh, it, it, an interesting set of guys who got blocks. You had Xavier Johnson, Rob Finnessy, uh, Tamar Bates and Trey Galloway. Just the just the shot blockers you would expect from this IU team. So, uh, yeah. anyway, uh, any, any thoughts on any of those stats that uh, jumped out to you guys or, or others that you wanted to hit on? Um, yeah. could, go ahead, Kathy. Yeah, I just not those um, ones that you just mentioned. One I wanted to talk about a little bit was free throws. Um, we weren't particularly great from free throw line. Or we were sixty six percent, I think. Um, what I wanted to talk about with free throws is the fact that we didn't have any until one minute left in the first half, and that was when X went to the line to when he finally got fouled. Um, I thought it was indicative of how it didn't seem we were driving the ball a whole lot, um, especially in the first half. We ended up with fifteen total, um, but. I, I thought maybe free throws or something uh, <laughs> that we could have been a little more indicative of showing. I thought we could have been more aggressive in that first half. I know the refs overall didn't call, call a lot of fouls, but I don't think Minnesota was specifically very aggressive either. So it wasn't like I thought the refs just weren't calling fouls that were there. I just felt neither team was really driving, especially us. Yeah, that's a great point. I, even the 13 they got, I think six of those were late 
when um, Penn State was, or not Penn State, when Minnesota was fouling. So, um, yeah, just for the game, that's something Minnesota had not done a lot coming into the season is putting people on the line, whether that's because they're not um, close enough to, you know, they're not playing good enough defense to foul people or they're just coached that well not to foul. But, yeah, it was pretty uh, pretty interesting for as much as I use been getting to the line to, to hardly get there at all in the first half. But, um, yeah, percentage-wise, not terrible, but I agree with you. I think some of the um, taking those threes and settling for that, the trade-off is you're not really getting to the line, putting a lot of pressure on the defense in that in that regard. Uh, Coach Marlowe, any other uh, numbers for you? Well, I, I kind of go with what Kathy was talking about, but like you mentioned, there really weren't a lot of free throws. For a Big Ten game, two teams combined for uh, 27 free throws. Man, there's Big Ten games where they shoot that in the first half, it seems like. Um, so maybe neither team is being aggressive. I thought to a certain degree – the officials let them play and then kind of typical big 10 type stuff. They'll call some ticky tack stuff and make it look like they're calling something. Mm-hmm. Um, I, the numbers that's jump out to me and Andy, you mentioned this a little bit earlier. So I did the math real quick, finished the first half, basically from the time of 16 to 11 on a 28 to 13 run from the time that we were trailing 47, 46, which I believe was Minnesota's only lead in the second half. We finished the game on a 24 to 13 run. So finishing the halves was definitely a positive today. And I, I thought, I thought that was a, those were meaningful numbers. Agreed. Yeah, the only, yeah, the only other ahead, thing uh, I just want to talk about, and I don't know if we call the stat or if uh, uh, just in general, our guard play in the first half, I thought was, was great. And I guess the stat to back that up is their points. So Rob had 12 and X had 10 points in the first half. So they had, um, a combined 22 points of our 39 in that first half. And they really, again, overall, I thought the team took what Minnesota was giving us and they were actually making those shots. So I, I enjoyed the the guard play that we had in that first half. Yeah, I agree. Kind of funny. We talked about how much, you know, Trace and Ray scored about half the second half points and those guys scored more than half of the first half points. So definitely a tale of two halves, but I guess that's how you end up with five guys in double figures when it's a uh, more of a perimeter game one half and more of an inside game uh, on the next. I don't know. Yeah, took what Minnesota gave us in both halves. Exactly, exactly. All right, well, we're going to take another quick break, and when we come back, we'll hand out our game balls and the Hoosier Hustle Award, and then we'll talk about what lingering questions we have before we take a quick look ahead to IU's next opponent. That's all next here on the Assembly Call. Stick with us. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And... Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com.
This is Jordan Halls, and I never miss a shot, or an episode of The Assembly Call. Jordan, and welcome back. You're listening to the Assembly Call IU Postgame Show. You can catch us live immediately following every IU basketball game, plus every Thursday night at our website, assemblycall.com. Also, make sure you sign up for our free IU Hoops email newsletter. Over 9,000 of your fellow IU fans have already subscribed, and you can join for free today at join.assemblycall.com. Again, that's join.assemblycall.com. I'm Andy Bottoms here with the hosts of Doing the Work, Kathy Amos and Jeff Marlowe, and we are breaking down... I use 73 to 60 victory over Minnesota. And now it's time for our game balls in a game where five guys are in double figures. This might be a, uh, a little bit more trouble to uh, hand out than most. So Kathy, I'll give you first crack. Uh, who gets your game ball today? Jeez, thanks. Um, okay. <laughs> it's, yeah. uh, believe me, it's better to go first than last. Cause when you go last, if somebody else says the same thing, you then you got to break the tie. So, uh, yeah, while, or- while you're being put on the spot, you're at least being spared the, uh, having to break the tie later. Fair, fair. Okay. Um, you know what? I'm going to go with Rob Finnessy for this. Uh, I, I think we've been so down on Rob here with his confidence and not playing offensively at a high level. And today I thought he really got his swagger back in that first half in particular with four of eights, three-point shooting. Um, I believe those four three-pointers tied his career high for three-pointers made. Um, And again, following that up in the second half, he didn't, again, force it and take bad shots. He ended up with only one point in the second half on a free throw. However, um, he was was spot on defensively, which is what we needed. Again, as you mentioned, Andy, we went more inside in that second half anyway, um, and we weren't trying to force it. So I'm giving my game ball to Rob. All right. Coach Marlowe, you uh, going along with Rob, or are you going a different direction? No, I'm going to go with Rob. I thought especially the kind of – again, we we fell a little bit behind the first half. It wasn't necessarily a terrible start in the first half. Just Minnesota hit some tough fadeaway-type shots. But I thought Rob gave us a lift off the bench. We've already talked about his stats as overall. But for me, and I know, again, I kind of like it more than some of the others on here, but he was plus 22 for the game. And and just along with that, that to me was a big difference. If I – you know, I was kind of looking at a couple others as well. But Rob being plus 22, I'm going to go with Rob. All right. Well, I will, you guys made it easy on me, although that's who I would have gone with as well. So we'll make it unanimous. Um, I think the second game in a row, you've really seen somebody come off the bench and kind of change the the direction of the game. Uh, we saw that with Trey uh, in the Ohio State game, and I think Rob really kind of righted the ship for IU and uh, and helped them get going. And then really with Stewart having a little bit of trouble defensively, getting in a bit of foul trouble. Uh, X went out early in the, the second half when he was getting a little bit flustered. Um, Rob was a guy they called on in those scenarios and he really responded defensively and, and did a good job keeping guys in front of him in a game when IU as a whole struggled to do that. I thought he was, uh, I thought he was really, really strong on, on both ends. Uh, so, uh, unanimous Rob Finnessy, when I believe that's his, uh, his first game ball. All right, so now it's time for the Hoosier Hustle Award, which is sponsored by our friends over at Evansville Security Services, based in the hometown of IU legend Calvert Cheney and hopefully future legend Christian Lander, who missed the game today with a leg injury. Evansville Security Services provides off-duty police officers to businesses and individuals throughout Indiana. Remember, prevention cannot be measured, so let Evansville Security Services help you prevent a bad outcome today. Go to evansvillesecurityservices.com to learn more. That's evansvillesecurityservices.com. So... I, I believe, although it, it, maybe just because he hasn't put it on here, um, that that this is 
I don't know where the move the noodle award, um, you know, falls in the, in general. So we're going to stick with the Hoosier hustle award for now, uh, and perhaps put it in that same, in that same vein. But, uh, I'm, I'm just working with what I've got here. So we'll go, we'll go with that one. Um, all right, coach Marlowe, I'll let you, I'll let you go first with this one again. I think probably a lot of candidates for, uh, the Hoosier hustle award in this one as well. So who gets yours? I'm I'm going to go with race here. This is a tough one, but I, just because as we talked about earlier, race had a tough matchup defensively, and I thought he did as well as could be expected on battle. And he still, you know, he goes four for seven from the field for ten points, five rebounds, uh, a couple assists. And it just seems like it, it, we talked to kind of alluded to it earlier. There were a couple loose ball type rebounds that I'm pretty sure that race had a hand in keeping alive that we were eventually able to track down. That you know allowed us to keep the lead. I mean, it was a situation where uh, I think one of those was in that run and early in the, or not early, but in that second half, we kind of started to pull away where they weren't that far down. And if they come up with an offensive rebound and a stick back, it might change the momentum a little bit. And race was, you know, very active in keeping the ball alive in a couple of those. So I'm going to go with race, but it's tough. I, 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 I had Xavier in my notes. I also had just, and I also, to be honest with you, I had trace in my notes, but I'm going to go with race. All right, Kathy, what are you going to do? Are you going to make it easier on me? Go with the same, or are you going to go with somebody else? All right, I appreciate that. <laughs> I, I totally, uh, I, I'm, I'm with I'm with Coach Jeff here. Um, I wrote down about three different people as well, and the same three people. I wrote down Race, I wrote down Trace, especially Trace. I mean, he's our only player with a double-double. Although, I, I think we've been so hard on on uh, guard play this year, especially on Xavier. I, I'm actually going to give my hustle award to Xavier. I, I, again, he helped lead that way in that first half along with Rob with his 10 points. And I, he came out in that second half and just played again within himself, even after he got that third foul. And you could see, like I could visibly see him really starting to get worked up. Coach, again, um, Woodson had a great coaching moment, calm, calmed him down, and he stayed out there and had some great plays. I love that fake where he was going back out to take the ball in, and he drove it in instead for a two-point uh, two shot and, and one attempt. He missed the free throw, but uh, beyond that, I thought his play was great. So for me, I'm giving X my, my Hoosier Hustle Award. Oh, man, you guys are making it rough. Those are the two that those are the two that I had. So, um, so at least we're all in the same we're all in the same wavelength there. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'll let the uh, I'll let the I'll let the fact that he was playing Minnesota influence my decision and sway me to race. Um, I thought he made big buckets down the stretch. Really put pressure uh, on battle, and I think that was part of what helped them wear down a little bit uh, over the course of the half. And I think Ray showed a ton of hustle by trying to chase battle off some of these screens and different things that he was doing. So uh, I'll go with him. But I, I definitely felt like X was right there in the mix. I know Coach was talking about uh, from being there, you know, just how well he was playing defensively and uh, just kind of being a, a pest out there. So I'll give the slight edge to race, but I would not uh, I would not be uh, mad at anybody for, for picking Xavier. Those were the two that really stood out to me. So, uh, always good well, to have multiple worthy contenders, uh, for right. the, uh, for, for that award, for sure. It would have been really cool to have two guards too, with both our awards. So. That would have been, yeah, nobody would have, nobody would have picked that to happen too often during the beginning of the season, unless it was a, uh, unless it was a loss where we just kind of throw our hands up and then try to figure out who we want to, who we want to, uh, to give, give a game ball to, or a, a hustle award. You know, one guy that we didn't talk about, you know, coach Marlowe brought him up, uh, briefly talking about some of the inbounds plays was Parker Stewart. Uh, he was one of the other guys in, in double figures as well. Ends up with 12 points, four or five from the floor, two of three from three point range, hit a couple free throws, missed a couple free throws late. Um, I thought offensively uh, was a good game for him. He was able to take shots in rhythm, benefited from 
some of the plays that they ran for him, got a good three in transition uh, in the second half when that was one of the only good three-pointers that you took early in the second half was uh, was one that he hit. Um, I thought offensively was really good. I think defensively just continues to be a guy who is uh, who is battling out there but really struggles to keep guys in front of him uh, and picked up some fouls as a result of that and um, you know struggled a little bit in that regard. I think there's some games where matchup-wise he's going to be able to uh, to survive a little bit better on that end than others. Um, but I think the way that Rob has stepped in when he's needed to be called upon for him has been helpful and provided some of that. But I thought overall, uh, offensively, good to see Parker get a little more involved because he had you know, he, he had not scored very much in these last few games. I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but he had not really gotten in the scoring column a whole lot lately. So, um, you know, Kathy, any, any thoughts on uh, Parker Stewart or any other guys that we really didn't uh, didn't mention a whole lot yet so far? Yeah, nothing I want to add for Parker Stewart. One um, person I'd like to actually ask the two of you your opinion on is Miller Kopp. Um, again, I, I was expecting, again, maybe something different from him and what he was going to be coming into the team with that I haven't seen, which is actually a lot of um, of scoring and really three-point shooting and hasn't quite been there. I mean, he's, I think, overall for the season is a decent three-point percentage shooting, but really not the volume and, and points level maybe I was expecting and perhaps maybe my expectations are just unrealistic but i was expecting maybe a little more from him offensively but i don't know maybe coach <laughs> i'm taking your job andy coach i'll throw it to you and <laughs> what no, are go thoughts? ahead take away no. take away <laughs> well I, i'm still a little concerned about the number of shots that miller gets and i'd like to see us maybe run something a little bit more for miller rather than having him try to create for himself off the bounce uh, but Parker only had five shots today, and two of those came off of, of baseline out-of-bounds sets. Uh, and one, as Andy mentioned, was a transition three. So he really only got a couple shots out of flow of the offense. And and I get we want to go inside, and, and the point guards definitely benefited from today. And I think that was the difference you saw here. A lot of teams traditionally just kind of dropped down with whoever's near. Minnesota was going to double with their point guard. And so that meant the point guard – whoever they were guarding X or Rob in this case really benefited. Whereas other times maybe it'll be Miller or Parker, but I think part the one thing, Kathy, I'll kind of maybe disagree with a little bit is I, I think Parker's doing exactly what coach Woodson wants. He is, he is taking kind of what is given to him in the game, but or I'm sorry, Miller Coppa, okay. uh, but Miller's taking what you know was there. And as I mentioned earlier, I really think Miller's kind of become the glue guy, at least in that starting group. He's willing to play. He'll play. He's not the best defender. He's He can be exposed defensively sometimes. But Miller seems maybe to battle a little better than Parker does when somebody drives on him. He really makes an effort to get back in front or to keep the drive from getting turning the corner. And so I just think Miller's doing a little bit of everything. And, and I'm like you. I'd like to see him get some more shots because I think that the three percentage it dictates that but you know yeah i thought maybe coming in he'd be a little more volume shooter but i like the way he's kind of become a glue guy who isn't necessarily worried whether he's getting eight nine ten shots yeah from my perspective uh i think coach you hit on a few of the things i would have mentioned i think the way that penn state was guarding the post he wasn't going to be the guy to be able to get kick out opportunities um or yeah (laughs) Man, just keep keep you us really in mind. Want to go back to Penn State. I, I really do not. I that's the last thing that I want to do. But uh, it must have uh, it must have stunned my stunned my mind because I was thinking of how after that game, 
um, you know, we talked about wanting to run more sets for those guys and being able to figure out ways to get them shots. I think they've done that a bit with Parker Stewart. I don't know that they've done that a lot with Miller Cop, but he's a guy who I thought has done really well this year and even in the Ohio State game at really attacking closeouts. If a guy is really running at him, I think he does a good job of shot faking, taking a dribble or two, making a floater, um, did that against Ohio State. And, and I just thought those opportunities didn't present themselves for him today. It, it seemed a little bit like at the beginning of the second half, they tried to run a little bit of something for him. It didn't really work. He ends up taking a dribble to his left, I think, and shooting a three. Um, you know, w- took a dribble one direction and shot a three, which is just probably not his his best shot. You know, he gets the one off the that we talked about in the in the banner moment off the offensive rebound from Geronimo, where he's just able to step mm-hmm. into it a little bit more. Um, I I, I kind of fall somewhere in the middle where I feel like I'd like to see them do more for him um, mm-hmm. in order to to get him those opportunities. But I also think that Minnesota defended IU in a way that some of the ways he typically gets baskets were not going to present themselves today because I don't think they left him in the same way that they were willing to leave um, other guys, which does create spacing opportunities for, uh, you know, for other things. I think part of that is, you know, they were in large part leaving guys who were the ones entering the ball into the post to trace, which for IU typically is the point guard. I don't know if there are opportunities to put him and trace on the same side and try to have him, you know, enter the post, relocate, try to get some shots that way, even if you're not really running stuff for him. But, um, but I don't know. I, yeah, it was a, a little bit of a mixed bag for, for me with him. Um, I think part of it was game plan related. Part of it just didn't get a lot of shots, and I think that's kind of what we've seen from him for better or worse is he's he just not getting a, a ton of shots in the in the general flow of the offense, but there uh, I think will be games when, when they need him for sure. Um, all right, so in terms of lingering questions um, – I guess, and I, if I, if I miss some of these in the in the chat, I forgive me. But I guess the lingering question for me is: Could IU take what they've done the last two games on the road? Uh, that has been an, uh, an area that they've struggled uh, this year. I don't need to tell anybody that. I don't need to rehash any of those games, even though I keep mentioning one of them uh, accidentally <laughs> during this show. Um, but you, you know, you go into an Iowa uh, an Iowa team that we know is going to struggle defensively. Um, we know from a tempo perspective, we'll probably play a little bit more uh, like what IU wants to do, but also a place that IU had some success recently and going off on the road where, uh, quite frankly, there hasn't been much of that over the course of the over the course of the year. So um, as, as we look ahead to that game, um, you know, Coach Marlowe, I'll throw this one to you first. You know, what how do you think they're able to translate this with a few days off, translate what they've done well at home? And is that something that they can start to take on the road? Yeah, I think, first of all, you just kind of keep going back to your defensive principles. And I'll be interested to see how they guard Murray. Uh, Murray is putting up some really big numbers. He's played well. Do you, you know? And we kind of talked about this last year with Garza. Do you just kind of let Garza get his, make him work for him, and then try to go out and sh- don't leave and just don't let the guys like Bohanna and the McCaffrey brothers have open looks. And and I kind of realize and I realize Murray's their best player, but to me, the McCaffreys have you know some pretty high IQ basketball IQ, and, and they make they kind of make the plays that get Murray into into position. Um, and so I'll be interested to see how we decide how we choose to defend Murray and who we put on him. If I, but my gut tells me it's probably going to be race. Um, but I think you got to try and attack. We need to keep getting better ball movement, better spacing. I like the, the fact that today it seemed like when we threw it into TJD, we cut through. We didn't just throw it in and then stand. We passed and cut through. I'd like to see us run a little bit more, some set action to get uh, some guys open, but I like the fact that we had more movement, which was leading to better spacing. 
And I hope we can continue to work at that on that over the next couple of days in practice. Kathy, what about you? How does IU uh, take the show on the road? Yeah, you know, for me, my my lingering question that I have, and I think it plays right well into how we take this on the road, is just uh, how we got to do something with the slow starts that we seem to have. We, we, we had a slow start again, both at the beginning of the game and the second half today. And is it a result of where I think we need to change our starters? No. Maybe we're keeping them out there just a, a, a smidge too long, <laughs> perhaps, in, in my, my thinking. I, I want to see how we can combat that because we can't go on the road to Iowa City here this Thursday and have another slow start like we did again today. Um, I think I was uh, just going to, on the road in that kind of environment, and it, really anywhere, not just Iowa, but we can't afford another slow start. And we need to come out and be really a lot more aggressive, in my opinion. And, and if we're not, then we need to get people in more quickly, I think, to, that can really, really provide us that spark off the bench and get us going. Yep, I would uh, I would agree with that. I think it'll be you know as we think about rotations, you've had Galloway come in and provide a spark. You've had Finnessy come in and provide a spark. Do you need to turn to that a little bit earlier in some of these games where you get off to slow starts or or halves or uh, or whatever the case may be? Uh, as you look ahead to Iowa, just to give everybody a quick update, they managed to not have a game for a whole week leading up to the game. So lucky them, I guess. Um, lost at Wisconsin on Thursday and then don't play again for a week. Uh, they're eleven and four, just one and three in the league. Although to be fair. The losses have come at Purdue and at Wisconsin and then home against Illinois. Their other loss came at Iowa State. So they've got a few decent wins. They did win at Jared's uh, beloved Virginia Cavaliers earlier in the year, but they really tried their best to blow that game. I remember watching the end of it. They they really did everything they could to give that one back. Uh, and then Big Ten-wise, their win came at home against Maryland. So uh, it'd be interested to see offensively another great test for IU, or, or I guess it would be a test for IU's defense. They're ranked third in uh, adjusted offensive efficiency as I look at it right now. However, in standard Iowa fashion, they are 155th on the defensive end. Um, so feels like a game. Great test for IU's defense. I, I, like you guys, I'm curious what they'll do uh, to guard Keegan Murray. I think Race probably draws the first assignment on that. I think Geronimo is a guy who you might be able to use uh, on him in some scenarios there. And I think you got to make him play on the defensive end as well. So some of the plays they ran to get race the ball in the post, I think you do some of those similar things, see if you can get him in a little bit of foul trouble and uh, then go from there. Fran will obviously be there to provide us all with great entertainment, as is always the case, and uh, and we'll move on from there. Need but, a Francon moment. Yeah, exactly. I, that That is almost assured to happen. So I believe that is a 9 o'clock Eastern time tip on Thursday, I do not have the network, but we'll certainly let people know where that is. I would imagine it's uh, ESPN or uh, I, could, I guess it could be a big time network. I don't know. Nine o'clock Eastern. Andy, Go ahead. Andy, somebody posted in the chat. And probably the true lingering question here is, will Mike Woodson wear a suit? It's definitely it is definitely on my 10 year old's radar. She definitely is aware of the uh, of the of the record with it and without it. Um, so I, you know, I, you know, so it, she, she will definitely be looking uh, to see hey, if we can figure comes. this out. Can't one of the assistants figure out that somebody has to step in. in this they have. I, I heard an interview with um, I think it was the Hoosier hysterics asking one of the assistants. And um, yeah, they, they know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't yeah. think it's going to change. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, we'll see. All right. So uh, that's our preview of Iowa. Um, before we do last call, I know uh, you guys did a show earlier in this week after the Wisconsin game, correct? Right uh, on the women's side. So when is the uh, when is the next doing the work scheduled at this yeah. point? Yeah, actually, also on Thursday. So this time we have a pretty good staggered time between the women's game and the men's. So the women's have a really early start time. I think it's 6 o'clock Eastern, 5 o'clock Central. And the men don't play until 
three hours later. So Jeff and I are going to try to squeeze our post-game show in after the women's game, but before the men's tip. So if anyone's out there really wanting to have an entire, you know, what, five, six hours of basketball, Indiana hoops, I'd uh, encourage them to start with the women. They are on Big Ten Network um, this time. So they're televised on regular Big Ten, not Big Ten Plus. So you can come and join the phone then with um, Jeff and I afterwards before you get going on the men's side. Awesome. I just want to thank everybody who's been watching so far and, and, and hopefully tell some friends. If you've been watching, you're in the chat mob, tell some friends or the chat mobbers today, come and, watch, come and give us a view and, and, and join our chat mob on doing the work. Yeah, and and just a good plug for our women too. I mean, they're ranked now sixth in the nation, so they're 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 putting out a fantastic product. So if you can support and, them in any way, that'd be it awesome. may be a little higher this week. There were some there were some top teams yeah. who lost this week on the women's side. So um, from that, um, and somebody pointed out, uh, Brian points out in the chat that game's on Fox Sports One for the men on Thursday night. Good call. All right, Great. yes, definitely. Everybody, check it out. I can't think of a better way to spend a Thursday evening than spending six hours of IU men's and women's basketball and postgame shows. So I, uh, I wholeheartedly endorse that approach to, uh, to Thursday evening. So, uh, all right, well, uh, let's go and get our, uh, final thoughts before we do that. Uh, just a reminder to check out our friends at home field apparel, use the promo code home at checkout to get 15% off your first order. And, uh, with that, it is time for last call. Uh, Kathy, I will go to you first. Final thoughts on IU 7360 victory over Minnesota. Uh, today. Minnesota, yeah. <laughs> Not Penn State. Nailed yeah, it. again, <laughs> good job. Way to go. Landed it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think, again, just another good performance all around from our team. Like you mentioned, Andy, it was a tale of two halves. We had the, the great guard play in the first half, followed up by some great going inside play in the second half with another double-digit win at home. Um, time to see if they can, we can travel this time and, and see. We're going to 3-2 and two now in Big Ten play, um, one game at a time, and just keep moving up. And if we can get that Iowa game and uh, steal one here on the road, that would be fantastic for us. So, again, like how do we combat those, those slow starts? How can we keep this balance going? How can we keep the guard play going? So there's a lot of really great momentum for the team. So I just really hope to see them come out and battle on Thursday. And uh, especially me being an hour and a half down the road from Iowa City, I have a lot of – a lot of Hawkeye friends out there, so this is pretty personal for me, I guess. So um, I, I hope to see it travel well on Thursday. All right. As today was for Race Thompson, Thursday is for Kathy. It's personal. All right. <laughs> Coach Marlowe, what do you got to finish this out with? I, I'm going to go along with Kathy, and I mentioned it earlier. I, uh, we need to stack some wins I, and, and in the in the league, and you got to be able to go out on the road. If we really want to get toward the top half of the Big Ten, I'm, I'm not saying we're going to win the league. But if we want to be in that top four or five, if we can work our way in there, we got to win a couple on the road while we defend the home court. And I think that's something I, I get a feeling that that's something Coach Woodson's really preaching as well. It's like, OK, we played well, beat Ohio State. Now we come back, played fairly well, had our moment there in the second half, but we played pretty well today against Minnesota. Let's one more game, you know, and, and just kind of that old Bob Knightism. You're only as good as your last game, but you also got to be ready for the next game. And I, I was really excited because I, I, I was going to, I was going to try and look this up real quick. When was the last time we really ran off a string of two, three, four big 10 wins in a row? It just seems like it's been so long. I can't recall one. I, so I looked it up at some point. Somebody asked a question or we were talking about win streaks during Archie Miller era in Big Ten play. I looked it up. I I do I don't remember what it was, but it wasn't a big number, and I do not recommend people to look it up. But it just it's time if we want to be we're back into that top echelon of the Big Ten. You got to be able to go out and win two, three, four in a row. Well, we've won two. Now let's make it three. 
Yeah, I'm right along the same lines as you guys. I think this the, these two home games this week were of great importance, uh, not just from the Big Ten play, but from a confidence standpoint, coming off of that Penn State loss. And I think saw a couple double-digit victories. They both had uh, some low points in them, but I thought overall – it was a great opportunity to get a number of guys' confidence. You got key contributions off the bench, and those are the kinds of things that are going to provide a spark because somebody's going to invariably get in foul trouble when you're on the road. Somebody's not shooting well. Who can step up and play well? And I thought you saw big-time bench performances from Trey Galloway and Rob Finnessy uh, over the course of these two games this week. And then, as you guys said, now if you can take that confidence and get a win at Iowa, then you've got at Nebraska. Could you find a way over the next week, uh, I guess week and a day, uh, that Nebraska game is on uh, Martin Luther King Day on the 17th. You know, Can you get these couple road wins? And even though you didn't get you know, the, a Penn State one that you felt like you should and missed an opportunity at Wisconsin, still getting to a couple road wins and continuing to protect home court is a good recipe. Um, so I definitely think that uh, you know the, these couple road games are really important. And I think Hopefully it's something no different than the shooting of some of the things for the guys on this team. Like you get one and it snowballs a little bit. You get one to get yourself over the hump and and remind yourself that you can win some of these road games and, and walk into some of these places and uh, and play well. And uh, hopefully it snowballs from there because the home game uh, coming up after those two is a big one uh, with Purdue. So we'll uh, we got a long way till we get to that game, but. Um, but glad I you could come back and do what it needed to do, take care of home court, get a big win against Ohio State. And uh, and now we take the show on the road and hope that it can travel. So that will do it for us here on the Assembly Call IU postgame show. Uh, if you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel over at youtube.com slash assemblycall. And don't forget to join to go to join.assemblycall.com to join our free email newsletter. Special thanks to Bob Thompson for the music you hear on the show. And special thanks to John Ringer of Rig Design for designing our logo. And thank you for listening. We'll be back to talk IU Hoops again after the Iowa game on Thursday night. And until then... Take it from me, Christian Wofford. Keep your elbows in and your eyes on the ring. Thank you. Thanks for coming out. I like everything about that. All right. Thank you, guys. Good show. Yeah, thanks Good for win. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, you have hopefully a the, uh, water now? Great. Yeah, I got one in a little bit. So we, we did not we're, – we're a little shorthanded due to some, uh, some, some health issues of our own and uh, did not play well yesterday. So we'll see. We'll see if today brings bigger and better things. Hopefully it will. Yeah. We'd, we'd, been on a, we'd been on a good win streak. Yesterday was not our day. Kind of similar to when – when on two possessions in a row, a girl just banks in an 18 footer from the wing when they're clearly not trying to bank it. When that happens twice in a row, you just kind of know, like maybe this is not going to be our day. And it, we we didn't do ourselves any favors, but, but it was certain, it was most certainly not our day at that point. So we'll see. Today's a new day. Good thing about them is that we play back to back days. So if you play bad on Saturday, you can come back and get a chance to uh, get a better taste in your mouth on Sunday. So hopefully we will. So. All right. Well, hopefully you'll finish your, your weekend then with the win. So let's hope luck. so. Let's hope so. All right. Well, thank you guys for joining. Thanks, Thanks chat mob. Uh, good victory. Yeah. And then we'll uh, talk to everybody again late night on Thursday. Sounds good. Thanks. See you. Bye. Have you ever wondered how to say good morning in Italian or what is goodbye in French? You can ask Alexa, just say, what is happy birthday in German? Or how do you say hello in Japanese? Do you want to know how to say I love you in Spanish? Ask Alexa and start learning a new language today.